We'll hear argument now in number 90-1676, Mary Gade versus National Solid Waste Management Association. Uh, Mr. Simon. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, growing awareness of the dangers posed by work on hazardous waste sites to the general public and to the environment prompted the Illinois Legislature to enact the Illinois Hazardous Waste Crane Operators Licensing Act and the Illinois Hazardous Waste Laborers Licensing Act. These Illinois licensing acts ensure that only qualified, competent people engage in these hazardous waste sites in Illinois by demonstrating through training, testing, and experience their competency. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals held the Illinois Licensing Act preempted under the OSHA Act, the Occupational Safety and Health Act, because in addition to to protecting the environment and the public safety, they also protect worker safety, workers regulated by OSHA. We urge this Court to reverse the decision of the Seventh Circuit because Congress did not intend, through the OSHA Act, to deprive states of their historical power to regulate entry into occupations for the protection of the public. Well, we also urge this Court to find that the OSHA Act does not preempt any supplemental state regulation. I would like first to draw this Court's attention to the fact that the OSHA Act does not preempt dual-purpose legislation of the state where the state has a purpose in addition uh, to the worker safety uh, for protecting the public and for protecting the environment. Every other Court of Appeals and the Occupational Safety and Health Administration itself have, uh, that have considered the question of whether the OSHA Act preempts state licensing acts have limited the preemptive effect of OSHA and have found OSHA only preempts purely workers' health and safety matters, does not extend to preempt matters which have as a purpose or effect the promotion of public health and safety and the protection of the environment. Mr. Simon, uh, I suppose Illinois could have uh, submitted a state plan under the statutory scheme. Illinois could have submitted a state plan, that's correct. And why did it not do so if it wants to regulate in this field? Illinois does not wish to displace the Occupational Safety and Health Administration standards or enforcement. Illinois does not wish to regulate the process and means by which work is done on hazardous waste sites. Illinois is only concerned with ensuring that competent people engage in this profession in Illinois. And the uh, requirements, uh, the Illinois requirements do not displace or interfere with the federal scheme, which continues to be in place in Illinois. Well, under your view, it sounds like Section 18A is just superfluous because Illinois can uh, adopt these regulations uh, in any event. I believe the the purpose of Section 18 is to provide a mechanism whereby states may displace federal standards and federal enforcement and a mechanism by which the Secretary and the federal government can grant money to the states. What about 18A, subsection A? Subsection. It would appear that that's just superfluous under your reading. I believe that subsection A, uh, in the first place, subsection A does not express an intent to preempt. Uh, Subsection A expresses an attempt to preserve to the state's jurisdiction. 
I believe that it's, uh, I believe that this, that, se- that Section A is explaining to the states that where OSHA has not promulgated a standard, your regulations in no way conflict with OSHA's regulations. And what's the implication if OSHA has adopted regulations that are in conflict? Your regulations may conflict. We have to examine your regulations next to the OSHA regulations, and if they do conflict, then your regulations are preempted. But, and, and that's exactly how we think that the uh, Illinois Licensing Act should be judged. If they conflict with an OSHA standard, they are preempted. Well, doesn't Illinois require 4,000 hours of experience for a license holder in some area of this hazardous waste business, whereas the OSHA requirement would be 40? That's correct. OSHA actually does not require any experience Mm -hmm. hours. OSHA only requires training hours. Mm -hmm. The Illinois Licensing Act for crane operators, hazardous waste crane operators, does contain a 4,000-hour requirement. The uh, 4,000-hour requirement serves the legitimate public uh, purpose of of ensuring that uh, crane operators don't receive their training on hazardous waste sites. Uh, This is the OSHA uh, standard does not also require this, but it is not impossible to comply with the Illinois regulations and the OSHA regulations, and that does not create an actual conflict under this court's uh, 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 preemption jurisprudence. The um, well, certainly there is a neg- uh, very arguable negative implication, Mr. Simon, from subsection A, that. Where there is an, an OSHA standard in effect, there is preemption. And that's, that, that's a negative implication. This court has found, however, in uh, its jurisprudence that if you're going to have express preemption, it has to be expressed. And if you're going to have implied preemption, the, the structure and the language of the Act uh, and the purpose of the Act have to uh, support that, uh, that inference. And in this case, uh, the Structure, language, and purpose do not support that. The purpose of the OSHA Act is to provide for every working man and woman in the nation a safe and healthful uh, conditions of work. Uh, the purpose is not to eliminate uh, duplicative regulation or, or to uh, remove from jurisdiction areas of state concern. So you say we should analyze this uh, case as, as one of implied preemption, not express preemption? That's correct. The, um, you still are saying, though, I, I still I don't entirely understand your response to Justice O'Connor as to subsection A. You're, you're, you're saying that uh, nothing in the chapter prevents any state agency from asserting jurisdiction under state law over any occupational safety or health issue with respect to which a standard is in effect. There is jurisdiction even when a standard is in effect. The only thing you cannot do is, is contradict it, right, is, is conflict with it. That's right. We cannot conflict with a standard. That's all that section says. Doesn't that, it doesn't say that. I mean, the section says nothing shall prevent any state from asserting jurisdiction with respect for over any issue with respect to which no standard is in effect. Um, that, why that, would they say that? I think that Section uh, 18 of the Act is explained to states how uh, they can, um, uh, that they should, it's encouraging states to come in and take a uh, role in the occupational area, and it's saying where there's no 
federal standard in place, you're not precluded by any uh, for, I would make an analogy to a dormant commerce clause type thing. There's no, because OSHA has not worked here, we're not saying that therefore it's precluded to states. Go ahead and do it. You're not in conflict because there's nothing there. Uh, and where there is something there, then we'll look to whether there's a conflict. I think that that's a, uh, a fair reading of this uh, Section 18A. I think that, um, that Section 18A does not uh, expressly save or expressly preempt uh, supplemental state laws. I think that the uh, why, why would a state proceed under B if it why, why would a state want to proceed under B that is uh, assume its own responsibility for development and enforcement of uh, of health standards with respect to which a federal standard already exists two two good reasons one of them is that they then displace the federal regulations and the federal enforcement and they do that themselves the second and, and states who are sensitive to being told what to do by the federal government uh, would enjoy this control over their own uh, safe, occupational safety and health uh, concerns. But, the, but, but you're telling us that the federal government doesn't control it anyway. You're saying even without going into subsection B, a state can supplement the federal regulation any way that it wants. But it may not conflict with the regulation. It, it ha any federal regulation, uh, as it's written, as it's uh, provided, is going to be enforced by the federal government. Well, you don't think that OSHA is going to let any plan that they approve conflict with federal regulation either, do you? I mean, as a practical matter, they're not going to get anything approved under B that conflicts with the federal regulation. The, the OSHA regulations then do not apply in a state with a state plan. The state regulations apply in the state plan. I understand that, but I think it most unlikely that OSHA is going to approve any state plan that, that conflicts with a federal regulation. They, they may approve some that supplement it, but I can't imagine that they're going to approve any that conflict with it. Uh, when you say conflict with, I, I believe you mean anything that provides less safety protection for the employees. Right, right. And that's, that's correct, but you may provide more protection in a different way. But you don't have to go in under B to do that. You can let the feds uh, issue their regulations. You can let them spend their enforcement money. And if you want anything in addition, you just issue supplemental. Right? There, there, there's no reason to use this. The second reason is the grant to the states, which is a very important reason I submit, that the uh, state that submits a state plan gets 90% of the cost of developing a state plan from the federal government, and it gets 50% of the cost of operating the state plan from the federal government, which is a very powerful motivation uh, and that was the motivation that Congress offered here to encourage the states to submit state plans, mm -hmm. was the federal money. May I ask on that point, uh, if there's no federal, excuse me, no federal uh, standard in effect in, say, in an, in an area, and the state wanted to develop its own plan under A, could it get federal money doing that? Uh, not, under the, not as I read the uh, grants to the state. Only if they're replacing a federal standard. If they're submitting a state plan, and they only submit a state plan if there's a... a they want to regulate a matter regulated by OSHA. What's the provision that, uh, that governs that? Is, is it in your appendix here? I, I did not include in my appendix the grant to the states. I believe that's 672. It's towards the end of the Yeah, yeah it's, it's, in your, it's in your appendix on page 13, I think. Yes, your brief appendix. You have 672 in there. Yes. You, you have really a, uh, an identical problem uh, in explaining the provisions of 667H, do you not? I don't understand what the necessity for 667H, the first uh, clause, is under your view. 
667H gives the Secretary authority to allow a state to enforce less restrictive state standards even after federal standards are in place while the state is attempting to come into compliance and get its state plan approved by the Secretary. So what we're not trying to enforce less restrictive uh, state requirements. We want OSHA to continue to enforce the OSHA requirements in Illinois. But it doesn't say less restrictive. And, 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 and if it's less restrictive, is it your view that a less restrictive regulation would displace an OSHA regulation? If it conflicts with it, certainly it would. Uh, no, a less restrictive uh, regulation on, on a subject, if OSHA says that uh, uh, you workers have to wear um, uh, helmets and states say they have to wear goggles. I, workers can't do both. It, certainly the OSHA requirement uh, supersedes the state requirement. And, uh, but under H, the Secretary could agree that that state could just require goggles. Uh, second, eight, it says that, that the uh, Secretary may enter into an agreement with the state under which the state will be permitted to continue to enforce one or more occupational health and safety standards in effect in such state until final uh, action is taken. The Seventh Circuit went back and looked at the legislative history and found that in an earlier draft it said the Secretary could agree that they could enforce more restrictive argument. Well, when they took out the more restrictive, now H means that you can enforce less restrictive requirements. The Secretary can agree to that. That is an accommodation to the states. It's not, uh, and, and it makes sense because they don't want, uh, if the state's going to have a state plan, it's going to have state standards, there's no sense making them adjust to the federal for two years until their plan goes back, and then they can go back to their own plan. So, so under your view, the Secretary can agree to suspend OSHA regulations under H? Uh, for the period while the state plan approval is pending. Where, where is H set out, Mr. Sam? The government refers to that as a transitional. That's correct. That expired it's a, in 1970. Exactly, Your Honor, it did. And it doesn't have any more continuing effect today. Well, did it expire in 72, or was it was that the, the minimum period of its application? I thought it applied whenever the, uh, a state government proposed a, a supplanting plan of its own. I think the terms of its state specifically what the answer to that question is, and I thought it was seven. the bottom of page 12 of your appendix. Of your yeah, 12 and 13 of the appendix, it, it says that the, the period covered would be until final action is taken by the Secretary with respect to a plan submitted by a state under subsection B, or two years from December 29, 1970, ah, whichever is earlier. Okay. The, uh, the Illinois Licensing Acts, uh, which promote, uh, occupa- that which promote um, public safety and environmental protection in addition to occupational safety should not be preempted by the OSHA Act. The, um, the, uh, if this Court does find preemption in some cases, the Court nevertheless should not preempt a dual-purpose uh, statute like the Licensing Acts, but should rather consider whether it, promote, whether it has a legitimate purpose and whether it has selected a means which is plausibly related to that legitimate purpose. This uh, squares with the approach of the other circuit courts that have addressed this issue, and it also uh, squares with this court's precedent in jurisprudence in uh, preemption cases. The case that I'm thinking of where I, I drew this test from is the Northwest Pipeline case, where this court recognized a permissible purpose of regulating production of natural gas, and this court recognized an impermissible purpose of regulating the sale and transmission of natural gas in interstate <laughs> commerce. The Kansas statute in that case, uh, this court found, 
had a permissible purpose of regulating production and a means which plausibly was related to that purpose, and it affirmed the validity of that Kansas regulation, notwithstanding the fact that it impacted on the sale and transmission of natural gas in interstate commerce, the area uh, prohibited. The, the Illinois Licensing Act similarly have a permissible purpose. Clearly, OSHA did not preempt states' rights to regulate its environment and public safety. But the, you, the reason you regulate entry into this occupation is, is partly for, for safety, is it not? That's correct. But you say it's a different kind of safety than the um, OSHA is supposed to uh, provide? Oh, uh, the occupational, OSHA regulates occupational safety exclusively. The Secretary of Labor has, in fact, uh, disclaimed any responsibility or any uh, uh, authority to regulate public health and safety or the environment. Yet public health and safety and environmental concerns are clearly present on hazardous waste sites. And uh, Illinois is attempting to address these concerns, which also further OSHA's purpose of worker safety with these licensing acts by requiring competency in the individuals that engage in these professions. So what is Illinois uh, getting uh, in addition to what OSHA gets by these regulations, say, at a hazardous waste site? The uh, Illinois gets one that it gets a superior form of enforcement because it's very easy to enforce. Licensing acts are superior um, means. Yes, but you could say that about an re- Illinois regulation governing the workplace, that, uh, you know, you require 4,000 hours and we require more than OSHA does. Uh, but I, I think you, that would be very arguably preempted. Uh, I think that, that the Illinois, when it's regulating its environment, is not limited to uh, accept what OSHA does to regulate workers. And Illinois here wants a licensing scheme because that's, that's the, the way in which Illinois historically regulates public safety uh, for professionals. Who, who benefits from the Illinois regulation that wouldn't benefit for, from the OSHA regulation? Uh, the Illinois regulation, I, the benef- I believe the public benefits more from the Illinois regulation. I believe the environment benefits more from the Illinois regulation. Why is that? Illinois require, uh, training requirements are, will be implemented by the Illinois Environmental Protection Agency, which will, will approve training courses, and they have as their principal concern environmental concerns, whereas the OSHA certification uh, of training would go towards exclusively matters to protect workers. But these are, we're talking about the same hazardous waste site that is regulated by both OSHA and by by the Illinois Act? Yes. They, they, many, most of them are the same sites. And we don't want to discount the fact that we believe we do benefit from the OSHA regulations. But we don't think the fact that we benefit from that precludes us from requiring the additional training, which we think furthers our, our public health and safety environmental purposes. Not only does Illinois submit that as dual-purpose legislation, the Illinois Licensing Acts uh, are not preempted by the OSHA Act, but we submit that a careful reading of the language and the structure of the OSHA Act in light of this Court's preemption jurisprudence reveals that states there, no supplemental legislation is preempted provided it does not conflict with the OSHA Act. The, um, the, this Court begins its preemption analysis with the presumption that states historic exercise of their police powers to protect the safety and, and uh, is, not, is not preempted unless that was the clear and manifest purpose of Congress. Illinois licensing acts enjoy this presumption of validity. This court finds express preemption only when that is the explicit preemptive language is used in the statute. No explicit preemptive language is used in this uh, OSHA Act anywhere. 
that there is some preemption, or, or once you have a scheme in which there is some preemption on its face, uh, d do we give any uh, um, deference to the agency's determination of what the precise scope of that preemption is? Uh, you do if Congress delegated that authority to the agency. In this case, Congress did not delegate authority to the agency to preempt, and in this case, OSHA did not attempt to preempt uh, with the uh, hazard, hazardous waste operation standard. In, in so suppose the, the OSHA regulation uh, said at, at the end of it, moreover, uh, no state shall have uh, other uh, regulations dealing with uh, training necessary for workers. Would that, would that make a difference? Uh, I don't believe it would make a difference under you, the argument that I make because I don't believe that Congress delegated authority to OSHA to preempt <coughs> state supplemental. No, no, I'm, I'm, saying, oh, I'm saying assuming that, that, that we agree that there is some preemption. Assuming we've, we've ruled against you on that, uh, and just as to the issue of the scope of preemption, mm -hmm. whether it preempts uh, not only state laws directed at the same, uh, at the same uh, values, but also pre uh, preempts state environmental laws, uh, why shouldn't we listen to, uh, to OSHA on that? I think that in matters of uh, the, uh, the case that I found that directly answers this question was United States versus North Dakota, where this court said that in, in uh, matters of whether Congress has uh, the given power to the state or to the federal government to preempt, the court looks to the command of Congress directly and does not give deference to the agency's interpretation of the command of Congress. And I think this court should, should do that in this case as well. I, I so that would work the other way, too. That is, if OSHA says, notwithstanding this regulations, the states shall be free to issue uh, contrary, uh, uh, that, contrary regulations, we would ignore that. And, and we, if, would, if that were the, we would require the OSHA rule to preempt, even though OSHA doesn't want it to preempt. If that were the command of Congress, then I think you have to follow the command of Congress. It seems it, it, very strange to me. Well, in this case, it's not a question, because in this case, the agency, OSHA, has not asked the court to interpret this, uh, uh, their regulation as preempting supplemental state regulation. I thought the government is on the other side of this case. Um, the government has taken a position in uh, this case, which is contrary to the historic position taken by the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, in, a, in an instruction interpreting the preemptive effect of uh, Section 18A and, on states without state plans, the o Occupational Safety and Health Administration took the position that their state law, which was uh, on its face uh, directed at a, a class of persons larger than employees, was not preempted by an OSHA uh, occupational standard. Uh, I think that they are, uh, their position in this case is, is a, li a litigation position, and even if uh, a position of OSHA should be given deference, it would be their historic position interpreting their own. Uh, this court uh, has recognized that there is room for supplemental state legislation uh, over matters of occupational safety as recently as 1985 in Metropolitan Life Insurance Company versus Massachusetts, where this court stated that states possess broad authority under their police powers to regulate employment relationship to protect workers within the state. Child labor laws, minimum and other wage laws, laws affecting occupational health and safety are only a few examples. The, 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 the OSHA Act was not intended to remove the area of occupational safety and health from uh, the state uh, uh, legislation, and it should not be, um, uh, and, and a clear reading of the uh, language of the Act 
uh, does not support a, any preemption of supplemental uh, law that, which does not conflict with OSHA. Even, even though it has the effect of regulating job site safety practices? That, that's correct. If it has the, well, excuse me, if it has the effect of regulating job site safety practices, then I would concede that that would be an occupational standard, but I do not believe that an occupational standard, if it does not conflict with the OSHA Act, is preempted. I point out that our training requirements are not occupational standards because uh, OSHA, uh, the Congress gave authority to regulate occupational, uh, gave authority to promulgate standards under 655, whereas it gave authority to the Secretary to uh, issue training requirements under 670. Would you agree that your standards do regulate job site safety practices? No, I do not agree that our standards regulate job site safety practices. I do not agree that we have standards either. Ours is a licensing act, which I think is distinct from a standard. It does not displace any of the OSHA standards. I would ask this Court to reverse the decision of the, of the Seventh Circuit. Very well, Mr. Simon. Uh, Mr. Bliss. Mr. Chief Justice, may it please the Court. This morning, I hope to establish three points. First, the language, structure, and purpose of the OSHA Act express Congress' intent to allow states to duplicate or supplement an OSHA standard only pursuant to an approved state plan. Second, the preemptive reach of the OSHA Act, as applied by the Court below, is narrow. It applies only to state occupational health and safety standards that clearly, directly, and substantially intrude upon the OSHA-regulated employer-employee obligations in a specific workplace. And third, when a state occupational standard also serves other purposes, for example, environmental protection, the Seventh Circuit test would preclude only those provisions of state law that directly intrude upon the federally regulated workplace. Under state law severability analysis, other provisions would remain valid. Unlike the other circuits that have addressed this issue, the Seventh Circuit avoids weighing the legitimacy or substantiality of various state legislative purposes, and it focuses instead on the effect of the state standard on the OSHA-regulated workplace. It's important here to look at what Illinois actually did, in addition to what Illinois purports to be the purpose of these statutes. These Illinois statutes establish training, experience, and certification conditions specifically for workers at hazardous waste sites who already are subject to comprehensive OSHA standards that address the very same topics for the very same employees. May I ask, Mr. Bliss, if a driver or an operator of one of these cranes complied with all the OSHA standards, but uh, nevertheless had an accident of some kind, could an injured party sue at common law on the theory that he was inadequately trained? Yes, he could, uh, Justice Ste Stevens. So they could have a common law rule that was uh, more protective than the... Uh, the OSHA Act uh, specifically... Uh, reserves to the state common law remedies. They are not uh, preempted, and a uh, common law remedy is not a standard, and therefore it would not be preempted by the OSHA Act. And it's Section 4B4 provides another reason uh, to demonstrate that when Congress uh, decided to reserve specifically powers to the state, it said so quite precisely. And, and uh, common law tort actions arriving out of employment was one of the areas expressly reserved to the states by the statute. What is the statutory section that you refer to? It's section 4B4. You can find that in the appendix to uh, Respondent's Brief uh, 2A, 653 B4. The trial court below 
found, as a matter of fact, that... Of course, that section is, isn't just limited to common law. It's common law or statutory rights. And so that's that's right. correct. Right. But you say there's, it, it means to draw a distinction between common law uh, rules and statutory rules? I mean, 4B4 says effect in any other manner the common law or statutory rights and so forth. And those are preserved uh, uh, to the state and not... And why isn't this statutory right preserved? This, this, these are statutory rights and duties that arise out of injuries, disease, or death of employees arising out of employment. And it's, and it's specifically intended to address those rights which are, which, uh, to which you, you referred and w- which you may have a personal uh, right uh, to bring an action for negligence and so forth. And, and they do not address the... Uh, Could a state pass a law saying it shall be negligent for any employee to operate a crane if he hasn't had 40,000 hours of time on, on similar equipment? Uh, it be negligence as a matter of law? That certainly would be a closer question, but in our view, if it establishes a standard that directly regulates worker health and safety, it would be preempted by the OSHA Act. If it's in a statute, but not if it's a common law rule. That's correct. I, don't, I, I must say I don't understand your answer at all. Because this provision, as, as Justice Stevens points out, covers statutes as well as common law. It refers to both. And he gives you an example that is precisely this case. It's a statute that does exactly what this case does. And, and for some reason you say a statute is not covered, but the common law is why. I, what's the basis for the distinction? It's not in the text of the statute. The, the basis for the distinction is that if the state statute establishes a standard that regulates worker health and safety, by establishing conditions of employment that constitute a standard, then it would be preempted by the OSHA Act expressly. But, but, not, but not conditions for liability? Conditions for liability would raise a separate and more difficult question, but it, it too would be preempted if the direct substantial effect of it is to intrude into employee-employee obligations in the workplace as they are regulated by the OSHA standard. Well, I would think that that's your answer. Right. And, and that would be the same whether it's common law or statute, wouldn't it? You mean if a common law court finds that you need 4,000 hours of training or else it's negligent, uh, that's okay, but not if there's a statute? Even though this section says common law or statutory rights, duties, or liabilities. The, to the, the, the standard reg- would regulate prospectively. It would establish the uh, standards against which the employee's practices should be measured, and that would be preempted. A common law action under tort uh, claiming negligence would be a remedial action that would be preserved by this section 4B4. So all the state really has to do is, is do all this regulation through, through the courts rather than through the statute. That's, that's what the federal government was concerned about, doing it through statutes. That is, that is the direction, that is the purpose of the express preemption of OSHA. However, the state cannot uh, avoid the congressional reach of preemption simply by choosing a different form over substance. The court has to look specifically at what the state actually does. And if, if the effect of the state's action is as it is here, to directly and substantially intrude into employer-employee obligations that are already governed by OSHA standards, then regardless of the form of the state action, it would be preempted. But the, the court would look at the, at the form and the direct effect of what the state does on the operation of federal law, not the, the, the characterization that the state may ascribe to uh, the action that's taken. Here, the Illinois statute uh, states on its face an articulated purpose to promote job safety and to protect life, limb, and property. Let me turn to the first point, express preemption. 
simply because Congress has not chosen to use mandatory words of prohibition does not make its intent less clear. Read in its entirety, Section 18 of the OSHA Act sets forth an explicit framework for cooperative federalism in which states may regulate freely in areas where there is no federal standard, but where there is a federal standard, they may assume responsibility for developing and enforcing standards only by obtaining federal approval of a state plan. You don't mean to say that this language expressly preempts Illinois, do you? Because I think we've analyzed a little differently in cases where there's express preemption and implied preemption. Mr. Chief Justice, we believe that the language of Section 18 in its entirety is explicit language that expressly preempts uh, OSHA standards re regulating worker health and safety relating to the issue addressed by the federal standard. In the so you say this is a case of express preemption? This is very definitely a, a, a case of express well, where's preemption. Your, where's your preemptive language? I mean, you've read Judge Easterbrook's opinion, I'm sure, and he doesn't find the preemptive language, and I don't either. The preemptive language is in Section 18A, where it specifically reserves it says the nothing shall prevent state agencies from so forth. Except where, uh, uh, where no standard is in effect. Right, and it implies it's, that if a standard is in effect, there may be preemption. Of course, if there's a conflict, there'll be preemption. But it doesn't say there must be preemption. Reading Section 18A and Section 18B together, and Section 18A... Well, Section 18B deals with the situation where the state wants to, wants to preempt the federal government. But it makes clear that if the state uh, wishes to develop any standard, it doesn't say exclusive responsibility, but if the state wishes to develop any standard, it must submit a plan for approval by the Secretary. And reading 18A and B together, the only logical conclusion that can be drawn from it is that the states, if they wish to regulate in areas subject to a federal standard, must seek approval of a plan. And this is further supported by uh, subsection H. Why, why isn't a perfectly logical reason to say under B, if they want to displace the federal plan, they've got to get an approval. But if they merely want to supplement it, there's no objection. There's nothing in the statute that provides an objection to a, a supplement, is there? The, the statute uh, has no provision to allow for supplementation. Indeed, Congress considered language in OSHA legislation that was introduced by or proposed by the Nixon administration that specifically would have provided No, there's nothing in it that expressly permits it, but there's nothing in it either that expressly prohibits it. The, ex the explicit prohibition, we find, can be inferred from the language structure and purpose of the Act. It, the purpose of the Act clearly was to ensure coordinated cooperative federalism. It was to ensure that's that where the state... Argument, that's a different argument from an express preemption argument. That's an implied preemption argument. Well, pre express preemption can be derived from the language of the statute, even if there is not the magic word of, of prohibition. If the language of the statute clearly speaks and the structure and purpose of the statute clearly speak to preempt the states from issuing supplemental regulation. We believe that is a form of express preemption. Do you have any case authority for the proposition that you just stated? Well, we, for example, in Pacific Gas and Electric at 461 U.S. at 210, we believe the uh, reservation of, of authority to the states uh, concerning everything except radiological ha safety hazards was construed to mean that the states were preempted on regulating and regulating radiological safety hazards. Did the court treat that as a case of express preemption? Uh, in, in that context, we, the language in the court supports that proposition, and we think in, in other cases like Jones v. Rath packing, the language of the court does not expressly prohibit action, and yet the inference has been made from the language that well, there is expressed. We, we have held many state statutes and regulations impliedly preempted, uh, and and reached the reached the result that that you that you you want us to uh, to reach in this case. But I, th I, th I don't think it, it helps jurisprudence to try to push something over into the field of express preemption, where really the, the language isn't, isn't expressed. 
If, if, as you answer, Justice Stevens, you have to infer something from two other provisions, I would think that is not express preemption. Well, Mr. Chief Justice, we would hope that you would look at this first as explicit language in the statute uh, and in the structure of Section 18 and, indeed, in other provisions such as 4B4 that demonstrate the clear intent of Congress that state worker health and safety standards should be preempted. This has been the longstanding interpretation of OSHA. Uh, it has been the, the position taken by every lower court, including six different circuits who have addressed the issue. Indeed, it was the position taken by the amicus uh, uh, state, state attorney generals and the AFL-CIO in briefs supporting the state of Illinois. And the state of Illinois itself took this position before the Seventh Circuit below on page 14 uh, and 15 of the briefs they filed oh, in the Seventh Circuit. Mr. Bliss, just how clear is it that Congress wanted to prevent a state from adopting some uh, heightened uh, worker safety requirement that technically could be complied with along with any lesser requirement of the federal regulation. I mean, how clear is the statute as to that? Justice O'Connor, we think it's absolutely clear because Congress, if the one thing Congress intended to accomplish was coordination of standard setting in related issues, and that would be totally uh, undermined by what Illinois has done here. If the state can go off and regulate piecemeal without coordinating with the federal government, then the purpose is totally frustrated. The objective and purpose of Section 18 is totally frustrated. So you can reach the same result the by whole The thrust of Section 18 is, is to indicate that a state can have uh, greater requirements than uh, the federal. Absolutely. Uh, and a path is set for the state to do that precisely by submitting a plan for approval by the Secretary of Labor. That will ensure the Secretary of Labor will have to review it and ensure that it is at least as effective as the federal standard. And in case of products in interstate commerce, the Secretary will have to make the judgment whether it's necessary to meet local compelling conditions and does not pose an undue burden on interstate commerce under Section 18C. All of that, that would be rendered meaningless if the state can regulate piecemeal and ignore the explicit process set forth by Congress that requires the state, if it wishes to supplement, to file a plan with the Secretary of Labor. No, but B doesn't talk about supplementing. B talks about displacing the federal regulation. B talks about uh, assuming That's responsibility right. for assuming developing and enforcing standards. And, and, and if they comply with B, then the federal government's out of the picture entirely, isn't it? Uh, over a period of time, but it would be a three-year pro uh, conditional period in which there would be concurrent I don't think B provides the answer to the question. Say you've got a, a lot of regulations about operating these cranes, but there's just nothing said about whether they have to wear protective gloves or goggles or a helmet or something, and the state says they've omitted this. We think they ought to wear gloves, and it doesn't conflict with anything. You say they can't do that. Uh, that's correct, and... and uh, we think it's, it's a combination of section 18, subsection 18A and B read together, along with sec, subsection H. And, and even if there's not even the remotest possibility of conflict with, between the two systems. I mean, as I say, an example, right. you have to wear a helmet when you're on the job site, and that's just not in the OSHA regulation. You say that's, you can't do that. That's correct. It does not have to be a conflict. Uh, it, it simply, the state simply has to have a standard that intrudes directly into the employer-employee obligations that are already regulated by the OSHA standard. And we think that test is indeed a, a narrow and appropriate test because it asks first, has the state issued a worker health and safety standard? And OSHA defines a standard in part as conditions reasonably necessary or appropriate to provide safe or healthful employment and places of employment. Well, that's exactly what Illinois has done here. It's established conditions of training and experience necessary in Illinois' judgment to provide a healthful place of employment. Mr. Mr. Bliss, assuming that that would qualify, 
uh, within for uh, uh, the to, uh, to be covered by the text uh, of subsection B, 18B. Uh, isn't it also the case that the heading to 18B, the the bold print, uh, suggests a, a somewhat narrower scope because the bold print refers specifically. Uh, to state standards to preempt applicable federal standards. And isn't that a, a rather more narrow uh, category than, than the text of that section might suggest? Uh, well, Justice Souter, we don't believe that the heading would narrow the in plain language and meaning of the, of the actual uh, Well, what if it isn't plain? 18B. But uh, in any event, we, do, we, we accept that the purpose of 18B is to allow states to displace federal regulation. And we accept that, the, that Congress well, if, and if that's If that's the case, then the mere fact that you have a state standard addressing the same issue as a federal standard is not enough to get you to the point of preemption. Uh, if, it's, if, the, if the object of B is displacement of the federal scheme, then the mere fact that there may be two standards, one state, one federal, addressing the same issue does not get you to the conclusion of preemption. Isn't that correct? We believe it gets us to that conclusion if you read 18A and B together, and it leaves the... Well, but 18A can be read simply to mean that the act itself does not, uh, but the mere passage of the act does not exclude the possibility of state regulation. I mean, it refers explicitly to nothing more than the case in which there is no federal regulation. If you take 18A and B and H, H, for example, which provided for this transitional period that states indeed could supplement federal standards, but only for a two-year period and only if the secretary agreed. Isn't, isn't H your, probably your strongest argument? I think H helps. I think the H, it helps. F helps. You have to read the entire statute in context, and together uh, it leaves uh, us with no other logical conclusion but that the states, if they wish to develop a standard relating to an issue addressed by a federal standard, they must do it through the plan process. OSHA leaves the states three options. They can regulate in areas where there is no federal standard. They can regulate the environment and public safety directly and not by the means of regulating worker health and safety. Or they can submit a state plan. They have three alternatives. In this case, Illinois has rejected all three alternatives and done the one thing that, that Section 18 would deny it, namely to regulate piecemeal in an area without a state plan where there is a, a federal standard already in place. And indeed, in, in this case, uh, the second question that the Seventh Circuit would ask is, is does the state standard regulating worker occupational safety uh, refer to or relate to an issue? And OSHA can define that issue uh, with uh, an effort to accommodate federalism. As you know, under a federal executive order, OSHA uh, seeks to try to accommodate the state's interests to the greatest extent possible and can define the standard in a narrow way so as not to intrude on general purpose or obligation uh, state laws. And here, however, the issue is the regulation of hazardous waste workers at hazardous waste sites, which is precisely the issue that Illinois addresses. Indeed, Illinois statute is more narrow than the OSHA standard because it doesn't apply to all the hazardous waste sites that would be subject to the, the federal standard. And finally, the Seventh Circuit, uh, through its severability analysis, would seek to preserve those elements of the state law which uh, uh, regulate the environment or other issues that are not directly uh, and substantially impacting the operation of the federal law. On the dual purpose regulation issue, what we have in this case is all the public benefit that Illinois ascribes to its uh, state laws derive from worker safety. It's only when you hire a crane operator who has 4,000 hours of experience and that crane operator presumably then operates safely and has fewer accidents that there may be a public benefit that flows from that. So that the 
public benefits attributed uh, to the Illinois statute are exclusively derived from the worker safety practices, which are precisely what is regulated by OSHA. And that's why this law must be preempted. Uh, in conclusion, the Illinois Acts constitute worker health and safety standards that address the very same topics, training, experience, competency, and certification, that are addressed comprehensively by the OSHA standard. The Illinois Acts apply only to hazardous waste workers who are subject to the OSHA standard. Therefore, under Section 18, Illinois may not duplicate or supplement the OSHA standard without filing a state plan. Illinois claims an exemption from this process merely because it has asserted an, an additional public purpose for what is plainly worker-oriented, narrow le legislation. But as I mentioned, the public benefits from the Illinois training and experience provisions are derived solely from safe conduct in the workplace, which well, is precisely I, the issue addressed by OSHA. Yeah, but I, I, never mind. Your time's up. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Bliss. Uh, Mr. Kelly, we'll hear from you. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. I will first uh, try to allay the Court's concerns regarding the express preemption question. The position of the agency from day one has been that the Act is expressly preemptive. We believe that is correct. Section 18A does not make sense on the state's interpretation. It's entirely superfluous. It does not say that a state is free to enforce a standard that's not in conflict with an existing federal standard. It says the states are free to enforce standards if no federal standard exists. Those are far different propositions in our view. And that reading of Section A is confirmed by the rest of Section 18, including Section 18B, Section 18F, and Section 18H. Mr. Kelly, where do you find language in those sections that says in so many words that a state shall not regulate in a particular area? Your Honor, Section 18B says that if a state wishes to assume responsibility for enforcing an occupational safety standard relating to an existing OSHA standard, it shall submit a state plan. It seems to us that a supplemental state regulation nonetheless relates to an existing federal OSHA standard if it's, on, if it's connected. But that section doesn't say what the consequence is of failure to submit a plan. We believe that Section 18A, which says that a state may enforce if there is no federal standard in, in place, is properly read to mean that the state has to follow the rest of the procedures provided in Section 18 if a federal standard is in place. Well, but you're, you derive that by implication. I'm not saying by perfectly sound implication, but uh, you derive it nonetheless by implication, not by express language. Mr. Chief Justice, our view is that the statute can only be read and can only be made sense of if it is preemptive. And in that sense, we believe the statute is expressly preemptive. It is not... But the, I, I don't think your, 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 your sentence is a non sequitur. There, there, are many, there are many statutes that uh, you come to the conclusion that it can only make sense if this particular state action is preempted. But nonetheless, you don't say it's expressly preempted. Express means in so many words, not clearly or positively. Uh, Mr. Chief Justice, this Court has said that express preemption is demonstrated if that is the clear and manifest uh, reading of the statute. Now, I would grant that whether one wants to call this express or implied, the result should be the same here. What we would, what, when we say this is not implied preemption, we don't mean that in the historical sense of occupying the field. On the state's interpretation of Section 18, Section 18H does not make sense, nor does Section 18F. Section 18F 
says that when the secretary withdraws plan approval, the state plan will cease to be in, in effect, and, but that the state may continue to assert jurisdiction over cases that were commenced prior to withdrawal of plan approval. On the state's theory of the case, the only effect of withdrawal of plan approval should be that the federal standard becomes operative again. It should, it should have no effect on the operation of the state standards. That plainly, though, is not the case. Mr. Kelly, may, maybe we should have three categories. Maybe we should have uh, statutory preemption that is express, statutory preemption that is implicit, and what you might call occupation of the field, where, where the text does not give you any, any particular indication uh, uh, of, of preemption, except in the, in the sense that it, uh, uh, it demonstrates such a total uh, uh, regulation of the area that you're willing to leap to the conclusion of preemption. Your Honor, we would not object to that. That, that in short, is our reading of the statute. Um, and on the state's theory, a state uh, would be entitled to entirely duplicate the federal scheme and enforce it alongside the federal scheme. And it seems to us that that is inconsistent with what Congress enacted in the Act. It seems plain that the Act envisions one enforcement authority and only one once OSHA has acted, and the state has the option to reassert its authority if it wishes under the state plan process. There Mr. Kelly, are you going to address the meaning of Section 653B4, which says that uh, nothing in the chapter will uh, affect common law or statutory rights, duties, or liabilities of employers and employees? under any law with respect to injuries, diseases, or death of employees? Your Honor, we believe that Section 4B4 uh, further supports our reading of the statute as preemptive. With respect to the question of statutory rights being included in that section, we don't believe that that means that a state may, we don't believe that that should be read to entirely undermine what Section 18B erects. It is not the same thing to say that a statutory regulation providing that people shall order their affairs in a certain way is the same as a, sta- as a statute providing a right to someone who's been harmed retrospectively. And quite simply, if the statute is read as broadly as the state has suggested, at least if that section is, then Section 18B would, would be entirely undermined. And, and moreover, on our view, if a common law cause of action would constitute an occupational safety standard within the meaning of Section 18B, it also would be preempted. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I understand what, what you're saying uh, 653B4 does. What, what does. what kind of thing does it say is, is not preempted? It, it says, Your Honor, that the, I believe the particular focus of, of Section 4B4 was to preserve state worker compensation schemes. Now, obviously, the language went further than that, but that was the background to that section. Uh, with respect to the common law preservation of, of remedies, that section se- seems to us is properly read to not to displace the co- cause of action on the pl- part of an employee who's been injured at the workplace. But, it's, but it says duties as well as remedies. It doesn't say just remedies. Statutory, common law statutory rights, duties or liabilities of employers. So that would include the duty for training a co-workers a certain number of hours, I assume. It could be read that way, Your Honor, but we don't believe it should be read that way for, for two reasons. One, if it were read that way, it would undermine entirely the, the notion of occupational standards under the Act. And secondly, if, if you did read it that way, uh, 
we believe nonetheless that a statutory duty within the meaning of Section 4B would not be the same thing as, as an, I'm sorry, it could be the same thing as an occupational standard within the meaning of Section 18, uh, Section 18 or the meaning of the definitional section, uh, uh, Section uh, 3.8. Well, literally read, I suppose, under that uh, Section 4, uh, it would even save from preemption uh, a state standard that conflicted with the... Uh, it would, Your Honor. Uh, and, uh, and that is the reason that we... Let me, uh, let me just ask you uh, uh, more. It says <coughs> the, uh, it won't diminish in effect in any manner the common law or statutory rights or duties or liabilities employed under any law. And that's a really... A, what, what's going to be... What, what does it refer to as under any law? Statutory rights under any law? Common law duties under any law? Uh, Justice White, you're pointing out the, the uh, problem with reading that section as broadly as one possibly could. And if one were to read that, it would seem to me that not only the state, but every court that's considered this issue would have had no need to address Section 18 at all and would have read Section 4B entirely to preserve state authority in every instance. And that clearly is not the proper reading. OSHA has not changed its position on this issue, contrary to what the state has asserted here. From day one, OSHA has said that the act is preemptive. From day one, OSHA has said that dual-purpose regulations, if they affect workers, I'm sorry, if dual-purpose regulations, if they affect a class outside of workers and only outside workers, are not preempted to that extent. That is not the same thing as saying that a dual-purpose regulation that regulates worker safety but has an incidental effect outside the workplace are not, are not preempted and are not worker safety standards within the meaning of the Act. OSHA's position from day one has been that, and, and that is what we are here today saying. From the outset. That is true, Your Honor, but we believe that it certainly is the, a reasonable reading of the Act and that the and agency is entitled to It may be consistently wrong. It, it, it may be consistently uh, we don't believe it was consistently wrong, but it certainly has been consistently reasonable, and we believe, therefore, is entitled to deference from this well, court. Is it clear that we should uh, defer to state agencies in, in matters of this kind of, of preemption? It, it, it has not been a proposition that's been clearly established with respect to preemption, Your Honor. We believe that the deference in that context would be appropriate. Uh, and this, this court has frequently in, deferred to an agency's interpretation of whether a, a regulation is preemptive as opposed to whether a statute is preemptive, and we don't believe there's, there's a significant difference between the two. Thank you, Mr. Kelly. Uh, Mr. Simon, you have uh, four minutes remaining. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice. I, I think that uh, the Solicitor General is correct when he was saying he's asking the Court to create a new category of preemption and I really think that the state, that this court's jurisprudence on preemption has been clear that you're not to uh, preempt, that, that Congress does not preempt state uh, law unless that was the clear, its clear and manifest purpose. And it should say so expressly. Or if it uh, is ev evident under the categories of implied preemption, which uh, this court has uh, traditionally set forth and been consistently followed, I think that to create a new category of inferred express preemption would not only create confusion in the uh, jurisprudence of the court, but it would uh, certainly expand the preemptive effect of federal regulations, and we would have 
lower courts preempting uh, state laws left and right because of inferring express preemption, and I, and I strongly discourage the court from following that path. The, um, the Illinois Licensing Acts are a historic exercise, are an exercise of the state's historic po uh, police power to protect uh, the public and the environment. And uh, the, this means of requiring competency for those that engage in these hazardous occupations is a, is a, a long-standing uh, uh, mechanism to accomplish this public safety purpose, and it was not the intent of Congress in enacting the OSHA Act to preclude states from pursuing this uh, means to protect its public and safety. Mr. Simon, um, you have an, one of the things that troubles me about, about the state's position here is I, I don't understand why uh, 667C2 would be so concerned about making sure that any plan that the uh, secretary approves will not uh, will will not unnecessarily disrupt interstate commerce. Six sixty uh, six sixty seven C two, which are the conditions for approval of the plan, and uh, says the secretary has to make sure that the plan won't needlessly, uh, uh, um, when applicable to products which are distributed or used, there, are required by compelling local conditions and do not unduly burden interstate commerce. That's one of the conditions. And it seems very strange to put that next to, to a system which says, however, if you don't want to have a state plan, you can burden state commerce all you like, regardless of, of local conditions, except up, up to the point where the Commerce Clause is violated. The, uh, the section that you just read starts out with, with when uh, it talks about uh, products uh, in interstate commerce. So we talk about we're dealing with products there. The, right. the Illinois Hazardous Waste Licensing Acts do not deal with products whatsoever. I don't think that C2... Oh, I'm not saying it applies to your act, but, I, but it does go to whether the whole act should be interpreted as preemptive or not. I believe that a product, a requirement on a product to be manufactured differently than the product uh, is required in all of the other states, I believe that uh, that, that would be a conflict. And I believe that uh, what they're saying there is that under state plan, where the, the states are entitled to enact conflicting uh, legislation, if the Secretary agrees that it provides at least as uh, much worker safety, they're saying except with regard to products in interstate commerce. Those products, the Secretary cannot approve them if they're going to create a conflict uh, for, because those products can't circulate through other states. The purpose of the OSHA Act is to provide a safe and healthful wor working conditions for every uh, working man and woman in the country. That purpose is not frustrated by the Illinois Licensing Acts. It's furthered by the Illinois Licensing Acts. The training, competency, and testing requirements of the Illinois Licensing Acts do not conflict with any of the requirements of the OSHA Hazardous Waste Operation Standard, which will remain in place in enforced by OSHA. For these reasons, I ask the Court to Thank reverse the Thank you, Mr. Decision. Simon. Uh, the case is submitted.